Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doink and Doink Connection, the podcast where David and I talk all professional wrestling. Wrestling. This is episode number 48, where we're going to be going over the NXT and AEW from Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. What a good night for wrestling. Yes, yes. It's actually been a very good week. It has been a, yeah, a really, really good week, and it's going to end off with the first part of the draft. Yes. Um, so we're going to try and get this episode done quick. So David and I can watch the draft. Mm-hmm. Now, quick announcement. The draft recap episode will include Friday Night SmackDown and Monday Night Raw and will be released next Wednesday. I have an appointment on Tuesday, um, and David and I normally record Tuesday evenings. My appointment is after work on Tuesday, so we've decided to push it off a, a day. So we'll be going to be recording that on Wednesday and uploading that Wednesday and recording Doinked to go out Thursday. Yep. But without further ado, let Let's us get, into, get this. into NXT. The show opened up hot with Kushida versus Tommaso Ciampa. So I like this a lot because they had announced the match earlier in the night. Well, actually earlier in the day. It yeah, was all they, over their Twitter and they, their Instagram and stuff like that. They announced it that it would be the first match of the night, but it wouldn't be the first segment. Yes. They announced that the Ember Moon promo was going to be the first segment. But minutes before NXT went live... They posted a picture on their Instagram saying that Tommaso Ciampa and Kushida had to be pulled apart in the NXT locker room, in the weight room, so this match will open the show. Yeah, because even the way Ciampa came out, yeah, his his, you know, his walk down to the ring, Normally very sped he's up, slow, methodical, sped up, ha- ripped that mask off, threw it to the side, ripped his jacket off, threw it down, it was just like, let's go, get out here. Kushida. I thought, I thought. There wasn't even going to be entrances. I thought they were going to come live, and it was going to be them two already going at it in the ring. The ref gets them apart, rings the bell. That's how NXT starts. Well, you wouldn't... I like the concept. You're just not going to give these two guys jobber entrances. It's not jobber entrances because they were they were told that they're, they're already brawling. Yes. So you come to it and they're already brawling. It's not like one of them is in the ring and then the other one comes out. They're both already brawling in the I ring. I know, but they want to give them their entrances because I think it shows you like the tenacity on Champa that night. Yeah. Like he was, okay. he was irate. Oh yeah, he was. He wasn't slow. He wasn't methodical. That match, Champa, when Champa wrestles, he champ he, he has a tendency of being very methodical. He attacks. He he zeroes he targets. in. He targets. Very similar to what Kushida's doing right now with everybody's shoulders yeah. and arms and stuff like that. So the way this match just worked, the way these two guys just worked together was incredible. This is a time when I don't mind a non-finish. Yes, Kushida gets the loss. It's a DQ loss because of Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Because Velveteen Dream went and decided to interfere in this match. And the person who was actually more pissed off about all of this was Champa. Was Champa. So don't be surprised with the Dream's injured wrist that he had all casted up. If Champa tells Regal, get his ass in the ring, he's going to learn a yeah. lesson. Because remember, Champa already wrote off one character. Yes, they brought him back a couple of weeks later. But I think the combination of the injuries sustained. To the Kushida match, then yeah. Champa just basically brutalizing him. Maybe he'll even do, they'll just do a backstage segment where he gets hit in the head with a fifty pound weight or something like that. Yeah, completely write him off TV. Just Champa just tearing through people, just being like, "You don't come at me. Yeah. Don't inter- don't interfere in my matches. I am the pinnacle of this division. You know, yeah. I'm I'm giving people an opportunity to come and test their might against me. 
don't ever interrupt my matches he, again. He might not be champion, but he is almost the the gatekeeper of NXT. He is that upper echelon. Yes, that's what that mask kind of represents. Yeah, is that he is that gatekeeper. He's that guy standing guard, and he's a guy who he's will part mess of you up. the current NXT old guard. Kind of the current NXT's old guard. The yeah. NXT old guard, in my opinion, is like Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, even, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn. Yep. Um, but there's there's this new generation of the old guard right now because yeah. you have these new guys coming up. You have Adam Cole, John Gargano, you have Tommaso Ciampa, you have Finn Balor. Again. Again, yeah. <laughs> but you have these new guys like Damian Priest, Bronson Reed, Ridge Holland before what happened tonight. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. To that. Um, Kushida, Velveteen Dream almost. Yes. Um, well, Velveteen Dream's in enough trouble personally. So yeah, they're so kind of they're going to probably him write him off to let him deal with his own shit, and yeah. then then they'll bring him back down the road or not. We'll see. Yeah. But overall, it was a great match, great opening segment, great way to introduce you know um, the events of that night because they had a lot going on, and a lot of it was good. So yeah. Well, next segment was the return after fourteen months. I know it's been for a long Ember time. Moon. I didn't realize that she missed the majority of 2019 and almost the major or the majority of 2020. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this much. I love Ember Moon. Yeah. She's a phenomenal athlete. She's great in the ring. But we can see why she wasn't pushed on Raw. Yeah. Her mic skills. Yeah, she she's not polished on that she, mic. She you could tell that she was trying to play this really hard-ass character. But yeah. then she was so giddy about being back in the ring. Yeah, that she, she was... kind of went. She kind of went like left, right, and sideways throughout her entire promo, and then she missed her cue to be interrupted because Eo's music hit, and she just kept talking. And she was like, "Oh wait, why am I being interrupted?" It was just one of those things that really it takes you out of I'll, her character. Yeah, I'll put that down to ring rust as well. Oh no, that definitely has a lot to do with ring rust. You're not practicing too many promos <laughs> in front of a a live camera very often. Yeah. So the thing and in this case included live crowd. Yes, but. Even her first NXT run, she wasn't a great yeah, talker. She's never been that polished on the mic. She's always shown it in the ring. Yes. Is why she was the NXT Women's Champion. Is why she was pushed against Asuka numerous times. Yes. Is because she can put on those matches. Three and a half to four and a half to almost five star matches. She's incredible. She is incredible. But again, how do you hide somebody's inability to talk? Luckily, for most people, their inability to talk results in the fact that they speak a foreign language. So what do yeah. you do? You just have Oscar screaming Japanese. Japanese. You have Andrade, oh, Andrade speaking, speaking Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. Okay. That's what you or do. Or you give them a manager. Exactly. She can't, she have, can't have a manager she because she's already. She's so. She's a small. Vibrant. No, she's so she's vibrant. vibrant. Yeah. That's the problem. Is she's so vibrant? You'd expect her to just be this clean talker, like yeah. just coming out. But again. You can tell the excitement of her being back in NXT. She had that smile on her face and she was all happy, but then she's like, I I rode I rode my motorcycle just to get away. Like she was being pulled so many different ways. Yeah. It's almost as if she was given talking points and they said, Just go out there and just, you know, speak from the heart. And then when she started speaking from the heart, it was like, No, we don't want that it almost felt like that wasn't supposed yeah. to be where her character was going. Yeah. Well, um she was interrupted by EO, as we said. Yes. And Io was saying that you want this or something like almost like challenging her. And then Rhea. And then Rhea comes out. Rhea interrupts and says, no, I was in front of the line. And before she can get a word out or a few words out, attacked immediately by Dakota and Raquel. Yep. And then Ember runs down for the save. 
setting up our main event. Yes, tag team match between yeah. Raquel and Dakota versus Rhea and Ember. Yes. Which, we'll get to that match. This is one of my favorite things going on NXT yes, right now. Yes, and I like how they're spacing these out. They're not yes. doing them every week. Yeah. They're giving them a week. Or they'll do two in a row, then they'll give them a couple of weeks off, and then they'll do another one, and they'll give them a week off. Yeah. I love the spacing of this. I'm telling you, Kane X-Pac vibes with this all the way. They're going to end up as a tag team. Oh, yeah. And they're going to end up working well together. Oh, yeah. And they'll probably win those belts eventually. They'll, they'll have, if not, they'll contend for them. Yeah. They'll be in the contention for them. Drake Maverick and Killian Dane are two of the greatest performers in NXT right now. Because they're such polar opposites. Dave made the comparison upstairs before we started recording this that it's very him and I. Yes. Where we're very different people, but our our chemistry works together. Yep. That's why this show works so well. Because Dave he's called he's self uh self professed the heel of the show. I I, I love he's that opinionated. Badge of honor. He's opinionated, he has his he's set in his ways. Yes. And where I can kind of I can kind of take both sides, but I'm more, I take the faces sides and I think this, that, that, the other thing. Yes. So it's like the, the polar opposites of us kind of fits like where I have the, the knowledge on the newer and independent scene where Dave has the, the history side. It, it just works. Yes. These two guys, it's just the work. David versus Goliath. They just work. They, First of their all, their tag entrance team music. entrance music was incredible. Oh my! Just wait till you hear the entrance music. I swear, you're gonna love it. You're gonna you love, love it. it. And it's just this, this whistly tune thing. Oh man! And, and then and Dr- and Killian comes out and he's like, "This is not our entrance music. Cut it. Cut it. Let's go." So they just, just come to down. The to- now, the, I think that who they teamed him against, Everize, was like the perfect team to put him against. Yeah. Okay. Everize is a phenomenal talent. Oh yeah. I loved watching them on the UK on the UK brand. Now they're over on NXT, which is mm-hmm. really nice. True masterclasses of technical wrestling. Yeah. They know how to sell to the big guy and overpower the small guy. And as soon as Dane got into this match, mm-hmm. you could just tell Everize was in trouble. And Dane took over. Obviously, they have their little their little snafu spot that they had to the have. The finish was the, the powerbomb of Drake onto, um, I believe it was onto Parker. Chase Parker yeah. for the win. And <laughs> then Maverick gets up, he's kind of celebrating the win, and, and, and he's running around to the music and everything, and he turns to Dane and just punched. Just That's how they have to end. Until they're an actual tag team and like start like working together, and every segment between the two of them with killing Dane, Ca- knocking Drake's out. Carrying out. Drake to yeah. the back. Like, I can't deal with this. Just carrying him to the back. It was, yeah. it was perfect. Next segment was... Interesting. This was a great segment because within this segment, you took four wrestlers. Three of them took losses, essentially, okay? And everybody came out strong. Mm -hmm. This is how you write good storytelling within matches, okay? So Austin Theory defeats Leon Ruff Ruff pretty much in a squash match, right? But Ruff got some offense in. He's a guy you don't see on TV a lot. Looked really good with the offense. This squash match then set up Dexter Loomis coming out, destroying Austin Theory, yeah, getting his win over Theory, but then Cameron Grimes, who his cave-in, all Cameron Grimes needs is 10 seconds, okay? Yeah. Hit the cave-in, y'all, 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 and then walk away to the moon. 
you know, that's that's who Cameron Grimes is. He's yeah. perfect in that in that little ten second window. And what that is is that's a callback to last week when Cameron Grimes got his ass beaten by Rich Holland, and he's walking around in the back, and there's Dexter Loomis with his awesome little mustache and his little. F- you know, comb, comb over that he's got. He's just standing there. It is there. incredible tattoos. Yes, and you have Cameron Grimes like, y'all weird, and he just walks away. It's it's those little... It's those little call-outs. Exactly. And, and callbacks. I, and never... I, I can tell you something right now. Since we've been doing the show, WWE has not hit on those little minutia moments that often. But the fact that Leon Ruff looked good in defeat... Austin Theory looked good in victory and then looked good in defeat. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, um, Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis looked, looked good, good in, in win. Victory and then gave that rub immediately. Right to Cameron. Right to Cameron Grimes. Perfect. Like That's how you build a mid card right there. Because obviously, Leon Ruff is the bottom there. Yeah. He is. Austin Theory's working his way up. And then you got Dexter Loomis, who you're still trying to push. Then you got Cameron Grimes, who was just in that ladder match for the for the championship. Everyone's got their place. It's all working really well. And yeah. It was just bang, 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 bang. It was just so smooth. I love the way that they did that. Yeah, they took four guys and made them all look good in about the span of fifteen to twenty minutes. Yep, and in the span that they could have let somebody go out there and cut a really bad promo. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Next segment um, is a little bit of a sad one. This sucks. Um, this sucks because I was looking forward to it. It was an incredible it. match between Ridge Holland and Denny Birch. It was an incredible match. And it was an incredible post match. Yeah, and then the the come out of this is Ridge Holland is pretty much done for I'd say at least nine months. Well, based on injuries, you know, depending on how quickly he's going to recover, because everybody's different. You know what I mean? Broken ankle and multiple torn ligaments. Yeah, I mean, Triple H came back from a torn pec in uh, in what? Nine months? Yeah. Torres quad was back in 10? Yeah. It all depends on how quickly you're yeah, going exactly. to allow yourself to recover. That's why I'm saying at least nine because they're going to want to. Because – so this is what I think is upsetting is that they're not going to be able to bring back this Ridge, this Ridge Holland character as this character because he hasn't been pushed enough for this to really spark with the crowd when he returns. But I think – it actually allows you to do the hard reset for when the crowd returns. Exactly. So what ends up happening is you can continue with this character. You can continue with this bruiser from, from you know. But they're not going to be able to bring him back in a shock. Once he's healthy, they're going to have to start cutting some backstage vignettes. Oh, my predator fell. Alien. Alien, whatever. Um, But they don't have to cut backstage vignettes, dude. When they're ready to bring him back, to just have people drop like flies in the back. Okay. Yeah, That's okay. how you do it. Yeah. Oh, who's this guy? Who, what's going on here? Who's attacking all who's these attacking people in the back? Who's attacking all these people? William Regal's losing his mind. And then, remember how they tried to do the whole Kurt Angle son thing with Jason Jordan? Yeah. Why don't they do something like William Regal's paying this guy to just knock off people? Trying to set it up so this way he can get to the belt. Kind of like an insider trading thing. Okay. And yeah. that's how you can almost set up something. If if they're really trying to push Rich Holland big time... His his return may come right in line with Karrion Cross. Yeah, just, I could see that, and that would be a really good uh, first feud for the two of them. Yes, coming back, you got Karrion Cross taking all the heat for everybody who keeps getting knocked off because of how he left and how he said he was just going to come back and take names. And he's like, "Listen, this isn't me. You know, if it's me, I'm willing to own up to my stuff." Would that mean he comes back as a face? You could almost bring him back as a face that way. 
I really think you could bring Karrion Cross and back then, as a face because who? Because at that, when he comes back, you've got to you you've got to give him that. And and he's he's out there with Scarlet cutting that promo. It's not me. It's not me. Possibly. And then up on the Tron. Or you could do it the other way with Rich yeah. Holland. Either way. I mean, it'll work either way if they're all going to be coming back at the same time. Yeah. It does suck. Again, this is one thing I don't like about what they do in NXT is instead of trying to advance storylines, like there was an easy way they could have advanced the storyline earlier in the night when Rich Holland pulled up to the arena. He pulled up, parked like a jackass, and just walked into the arena. If you wanted something to happen between him and Lorcan, it could have happened right there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? He could have picked up Lorcan, slammed him on the hood of a car or something like that, and just walked into the arena and then had his match with Danny Birch, beat the crap out of Birch. Then Lorcan could have came out to make the save as Holland is just continuing to pummel exactly not have this suicina dive that happens holland catches him breaks his ankle has to be taken you know immediate as soon as it happened all you saw is the referee throw the x up that was it you knew it was over you knew it was over it was it was bad enough for the referee to throw the x up yeah so i do like these running spots i do like these post-match altercations but this is what happens when you have them yeah less control and wrestling's already extremely dangerous to just have this little bit of element of non-control can make things that much worse. Yeah. So. Suicina dives are not always like. No, they're not perfect. They're not. It's just yeah. what it is. I mean, you saw Kushida do a dive earlier in the night against Velveteen Dream, and Velveteen Dream ate all of Kushida. Yeah. Kushida did a somersault over the top rope, and all of his weight fell on, on. Yeah. Velveteen Dream. Yeah. So it sucks for Holland. It sucks that he's going to be out. Let's see where they're gonna go with this because I would have loved to have seen a Danny, a, um, an only Lockin Lockin versus, versus oh, Holland match. That would be great. Been so good. Um, next match of the night was a uh, Shotzi Blackheart versus Zia Lee. This is almost perfect. Yeah, we were just talking about Zia Lee's uh, heel turn, heel turn almost, and this is a good match for her to continue to work heel on. Well, it's not even work heel. It's to me, Blackheart needs the quick win. Yeah. All right. She needs a squash win, which she got because she's going to be hosting Halloween Havoc, in which three she's weeks. doing in three weeks. Zaylee needs to be knocked so far down the peg that she needs to be like, I- "I'm, what's going on?" And then she gets the letter. You don't see what's in the letter. You don't know what's going on, but that gives her a chance or gives the character a chance. Take a couple of weeks off. Yeah. Hey, maybe attack Shotzi at Halloween Havoc. Do you know what I'm saying? New yeah. character arc. She comes back. She's she is a true, true, true heel at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to what's going to happen there. Yeah, in our main event segment of NXT, we missed something. Oh, uh, we Johnny missed Gargano the Gargano and getting uh, the TV. Yeah, the Gargano and Candice getting the TV. They're walking their dog. Yes, talking about how Sunday sucked. Yeah, Sunday really sucked, and they get a TV, and it's from um, uh, uh Hartwell. Yes. Which is funny because if you go back and you watch the Women's Battle Royal, Indy Hartwell kept saving Candice LeRae. It's awesome. Does this build for a yes, tag this, team? This, from no, Can- it may not build for a tag team. This may build to a, a lover's quarrel between the Garganos over the fact that Indy Hartwell is giving yeah. gifts to him. Yeah. Like, And Gargano was totally cool with it. Yeah, he was fine with it. He's like, yeah, free TV. All right. Look at this. Hey, my, my day's looking a little bit better than it did on Sunday. Yeah, They are great. They oh, great. I love the Garganos. They are amazing. All right, main event. Moon and Ripley versus Kai and Gonzalez. Everything worked the way it was supposed to in this match. Exactly. Exactly how it was supposed to work. Highlight spots for Moon. You get Gonzalez and... Rhea continuing to build. Well, Gonzalez, Rhea, 
is is going to be a huge blow when that oh, happens. Oh, yeah. And the right person took the pinfall, Dakota Kai. Yeah. She was the one who could take the pinfall on this, not be hurt by it. You get you get a lot because, of... Because with Moon's return, you had to have Moon pin. Well, you had to have Moon pin, and it couldn't be over Gonzalez. No. And you couldn't have Ripley eat a, eat a pinfall because, obviously, they're building two Gonzalez. Yeah. So Kai was the... The person to take the it. One to take and I'll tell you something right now. For someone who wasn't in the ring for 14 months, Ember Moon did not blow up in this match. Great cardiovascular. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go when she was in the ring. Very happy with it. And her new entrance with the wolf mask as the hood, when she puts it to the side and she like kisses the wolf. Per- oh, my God. I really, really, really am going to enjoy this new character. Just get her to talk a little bit less. Yeah. Like either it, that or, or or let her practice her talking outside to continue to improve her her chops. Well, yes. But I don't think she's a character who needs to talk. I think she just needs to come out there and just beat she the needs piss to, out of people. Yeah, she needs to have what she originally had when she debuted. She needs her mystique back. Yeah. Her it'll come. Darkness. It'll come her, because cause remember when Oscar came up to Raw and SmackDown, she lost her mystique. Yeah. And it took time for it to be built back up. Now look at Asuka. Oh, yeah. I mean... This is one of best Asuka. Yes. It, it's Besides as, NXT champion, women's champion Asuka, yes. this is best Asuka. This is the best Asuka. You're right. 100%. Yeah. Um, Let's get to AEW. AEW. Very interesting Jericho show. 30. Jericho's 30th, 30th year anniversary. Round of Big applause, Big ups man. to this guy. He's awesome. been kicking ass for obviously 30 years. Yep. In many different... Organizations, whether yeah. it's WCW, WWF, WWE. WWE, New Japan, AEW, yeah. and the Independence when he was just having fun. This guy's kicking ass, man. He's yeah. unbelievable. And major props. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Major props. He's for, sp- for someone to do this for 30 years, I think the last, I think the, the longest statesman before him was probably Taker. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think anybody else has. How long was Flair in the ring? He oh, was... Flair was in the ring forever. Yeah. Forever. But what we're saying is full-time wrestler. Yeah. Take his full-time wrestling career ended a lot sooner than Jericho's. Jericho's yeah. a full-time wrestler still. Oh, yeah. He's still... He's probably going to go another f- four or five years. Well, if he does take a pace, he could go another six or seven. Yeah. But we're getting way ahead of we're ourselves. way ahead. Congratulations. 30 years, Chris Jericho. Absolutely awesome. Show opens. Who's your favorite Jericho? My favorite Jericho, I was a big fan of the list of Jericho Jericho. Okay. When he was with Kevin. Okay. That was a lot of fun. Okay. But that's also like my my era man of watching th- wrestling. Man of a Thousand and One Holds. Yeah. That's that, my favorite. That was the WCW, original list. The WCW versus Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight Championship. That is so... that. That was my introduction to Jericho. Yeah. I loved his introduction on Monday Night Raw as Y2J, the countdown when he first got introduced Against there. the Rock. Yep, against the Rock. Nobody comes out against the Rock. That that was incredible, okay? Um, I love the stuff that he did in New Japan a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was good. That was re- When he had almost the Joker Yep, when he, makeup. when he was basically reinventing himself. And Le Champion's been pretty good. But if yeah. I had to pick one, I, it's the man of a thousand and one horse. I also liked, it was... um. It was almost like the Legend Killer, but not the Legend Killer. Is when he was the world champion back in like two thousand seven, eight, nine time, when he was clean shaven and he'd wear the suits all the time. Yes, okay, that was a yes. good Jericho. When he yes. was also teaming with a uh, Big Show and Jericho. Yes, yes, that was a lot of. That fun. That was a lot of fun too. And then Jericho, um, Big Show knocked him clean out. Oh yeah. yeah well, that's what Jer- uh, Big Show does to everybody. Yeah. But show opens with the first ever. Defense of the FTW champion, 
uh, championship. Two big slabs of meat slapping against each other. Will Hobbs and Brian Cage. This match was a lot of fun. I mean, there was a lot of impressive things in this match. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, two big boys who were just extremely powerful. Yeah, a standing moonsault by uh, Brian Cage. Yep. Yep, Hobbs coming off the top rope, which he, which basically cost him the match. Yeah. Him trying to do that. Uh, that splash. The splash cost him the match because he's not meant to be up there as a big guy. But this is what, what else are you expecting? This is completely different from everything that we know yeah. from AEW with flippy doodahs and over-the-top suicinas and, you know, Canadian destroyers and ki- kickouts at one from super kicks. This was just two big guys just fighting yeah. is what it was. It was like Kimbo Slice versus Kimbo Slice. Pretty much. Loved every second of um, it because it reminded me of old wrestling. Yeah. Cage obviously takes the dub, and then after this, uh, Taz came up off of commentary. Taz was in commentary for this match. He he basically said he asked Hobbs to join Team Taz or get beat the hell out of. And obviously, he took neither because Darby Allen came out for the save. I love Darby Allen. And Taz was basically like, you're an idiot. You're going to learn your lesson next week. On the anniversary show of One AEW, anniversary. of Dynamite. Yep. Uh, next match was the AEW Tag Team Championship match between The Hybrid Two and FTR. This was a good match, but it's 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 a weird combination of of guys where The Hybrid Two have that almost like they have a little bit of technical and a little bit of high flying, and then you get the the brawlers of FTR. It's not. I don't think it would have worked with the high flying versus the brawler as well as it would have been if it was like Lucha Bros or Young Bucks working with FTR. I don't think the uh, it's, just TH- more, it's just more seasoning. Is yeah, what it TH2 is. have only been on Dark for a while. Um, they've had a couple of matches on Dynamite, a couple of matches in like the buy-ins on uh, pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah. They they're not as polished as another team could have been. I just think this is, a, again... It's a we good talk- first defense for FTR after this new rule they're putting into into play. But that's the thing, is the reason why that teams like this are getting a chance is because it's an invitational rule. Do you know what I'm saying? They're inviting these teams yeah, out. Yeah, FTR to try- invited TH2 yes, into exactly. this. So I don't mind them introducing these teams. It gives... We always talk about on NXT, them showcasing a certain person. Leon Ruff this past week. Yeah. Showcasing Leon Ruff. Um, a couple of weeks ago when they were showcasing the women's division, they were bringing some different people in with the uh, Women's Battle Royal. I have no problem with them showcasing these teams. It allows you to actually see what else they're putting out or what's coming up the pipeline. Yeah. Because to me, again, this is still WWE light with everybody who's yeah. sitting at the top of this Pretty uh, much. of this company right now. Okay. Yeah. Outside of, actually, I think everybody who's holding a title outside of Brian Cage and the women's title have filtered through WWE before they held the title. Mm-hmm. Just what it is. Yeah. So you've got to try to distance yourself from that by bringing in teams who have not gone through the WWE system. Exactly. Like TH2. Exactly. Like Best Friends. Yeah. Like Young Bucks. Yeah. Like Lucha Brothers. Yes, exactly. A lot of their tag division, aside from the Revival or FTR, yep. are non-WWE guys. Yes. But they're mid-card full of WWE guys. Yep. Main card, you got John Moxley, Chris Jericho, WWE guys. Yep. The women's division, um you have very few, but you got Vicky. Yep. Is real only female name that I know of that's through But she's a talking um, head is a problem. Yeah. And then look at everybody who's on your commentary. Yeah, Tony Schiavone, Tony JR, Schiavone, JR, Taz. Uh, Excalibur came from New Japan. 
Yeah, but it, I mean, still, ta- Taz, Taz, J- Jake Roberts is a talking piece. Tully Blanchard is a talking piece. Yeah, again, WWE light, and everyone wants to talk about how AEW is coming after WWE. Talk to me when you got two shows every week. Yeah. Okay. Three shows every week. Yeah, but talk to me when you got two, two yeah. main shows every week. All right. Three and not ha- including a YouTube hour show. Yeah. Like dark. Yeah. Or no, two, three prime hour, time shows. Two, two hour minimum shows every week that you've got to produce. Yeah. Find a way to make it work. So yeah, I anyway. did like the, I did like the tag match. Obviously, FTR comes out on top. It was surprising to see a superplex into a splash. Yeah, from FTR that was a little weird, but I do like it because you know they're showing some different um some different they're capabilities. Not just, they're not just fists anymore. They're getting a little bit of flippy yes. stuff in there. But I will say this much: Tully Blanchard interrupting every match gets annoying because it makes yeah. all the referees look stupid. Yeah. Yeah, but essentially what this did is this built up two other tag teams as well, not just FDR. Yes, with best friends. The the Bucks on the screen, basically super kicking a cameraman. Yep, saying, "Oh, we'll pay the fine again." Yep, just to put their put themselves out there, and best friends coming to the top of the ramp to Which, challenge them next, next week. week. Exactly, as part of the Invitational. Yeah. Next match. Well, I know you love this match. Before we before this, they had a uh, a Lance Archer promo. Where he's basically saying he's going to beat the hell out of John Moxley mm-hmm. next week. We'll see about that. We will. We will see. I you, loved this match. You love this match. The I, dog collar match between um, Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee. Okay. So I get it. You go first. So I like this one because of Crimson. Oh, of course. Crimson they they use a lot of Crimson. Yep. And every Cody match has Crimson. Oh yeah, he follow. He's following his father's footsteps. Yes. All right. His brother didn't really Crimson too much. He wasn't a big. No, 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 no. The match. What, in, what about their first match, Cody versus Dustin? Hold on. That was his first match in AEW. Go back through his time in WWF. He never had much in. The never e. had much. How about his time in WCW when he was Dustin Dustin Rhodes? The natural, nothing. Nothing. Okay. Didn't bleed a lot in Did his career. Did Cody a lot in the E? Cody wore the face mask to protect his face so he wouldn't bleed because he got busted open. That's because he broke his nose. Yes, I know. But what I'm saying is, is Cody. But that's because he was playing the dashing character. Okay. But again, he was protecting himself because he didn't want the crimson. But Cody always was willing to get his chest crimson red with, with the chops. He has no problem blading or doing anything in AEW right now. That's okay. who Cody's becoming. He's becoming more like his father. Okay. Um, I like it because there was a lot of emotion in this match. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a build-up. You know, you've had, what, three and a half weeks, four weeks to build this up? Yeah. Um, and it was a it was a big match because because of what Brody Lee and the, uh, the Dark Order have done to Cody's family, the emotion was... I felt a lot more in this match, and there was a lot more... For Cody to lose, than Brody Lee to lose, mm-hmm. be it Lee. Uh, Lee is the champion, but if Cody loses, he loses his pride pretty much in this match. So that's why this there was so much more riding in this match, not just the title, but Cody's actual like family pride of protecting his family, protecting Dustin, protecting Brandy, protecting QT Marshall, even mm-hmm. part of the Nightmare Family. Yeah, yeah. Protecting Arn, which. Arn hitting, what was it that he hit, a stunner or something? 
or a cutter. Yeah, probably a cutter. He hit a cutter on uh, Alex Reynolds and then gets laid the hell out by Brody Lee. Uh, both these guys got uh, busted up pretty well. Um, even John Silver got busted up. Um, there was one spot in this match that caught me a little nervous, and that was the table spot. Um, because I saw that Cody had Lee's head hooked, but it didn't look like he had it that hooked, and it kind of looked like he fell on his head. But, um, anyway, uh, match comes out, Cody wins, Cody retain, uh, re- uh, regains the title, and he's defending next week. Against the man who fights with his hands in his pockets, Orange Cassidy. I'm happy there's an open challenge back. Now give me your opinion. This is nepotism at its worst. Are you kidding me? Okay, you want to call WWE for always putting the belts on Triple H back in the 2000s? I'm not saying anything. People have done it for many, many, many years. Oh, Triple H won the title again. Oh, Triple H was handling the title. Oh, dude. This is nepotism right here, okay? Just because Cody is one of the founding four or five members that are going to put a belt on him again, he doesn't deserve this belt. Brody Lee should still be carrying this belt. Brody Lee could do more with this belt than than, than Cody Rhodes. Period. Period. So the Dark Order, the Dark Order needs this belt more than Cody Rhodes needs this belt, more than the Rhodes family. Is. So here's my thought, and I agree with you here with what you're saying. Here's my thought as to what they're using this TNT title as. This so if this was for the world title and Cody had dropped it to Lee and for Lee to just drop it back to Cody, I would agree with you a lot more. But this isn't a you're gonna say it's a it's a stepping stone. Brody Lee's already fought John Moxley and lost. No, He's not this going isn't after that. no, this isn't a stepping stone. Okay. The T I'm talking about the title That's itself. What, the TNT title. The TNT title is a title, in my opinion, to get guys on television. That's why they're putting it back on Cody with an open challenge because they're going to have him face off with Orange Cassidy. And then they're going to bring in all these other smaller guys, guys from tag teams. They'll have one of the members of TH2 challenge for this belt. They're going to have another member of SCU challenge for this belt. They'll have Marco Stunt challenge for this belt. They'll have Jungle Boy challenge for this belt. This belt is for the open challenge. This is to bring younger talent into... So you're just going to keep having face-versus-face matches then? Yes. No. This they should be trying to chop the legs out from this this despicable crew called the Dark Order and their one guy who continues to hold the belt and let him put out the open challenges and let him put See, that's the thing he won't but let him put him out put out in these types of matches. Oh, you want to fight me? Fine. We're going to fight in a dog collar match. Oh, you want to fight me? Fine. Unsanctioned. Oh, you want to fight me? False count anyway. That's what that's what they have to do with Lee. I felt that if he faces Rhodes again, okay? And he had knocked Rhodes out again, beaten him, retained his belt. He could then stake his claim as the order in the family of AEW. And you could have saved the blown-off match for a pay-per-view, because this was a pay-per-view quality match. Yes, That's what this was. But this is the TNT title. I, I don't think they're going to defend this belt. They will. On a pay-per-view. They will, of course it's they will. It's a TNT belt. It's basically their TV title. I know it's their TV title, but you're telling me that when the TV title was on WCW, I know this is before your time, they defended it on pay-per-views all the time. The TV title was always available on pay-per-view. Okay? Usually it was one of the first two matches of the night. This is more important than that. This feels more like an Intercontinental Championship to me, not a TV yeah. title. But they're going to defend it on the pay-per-views. They're going to make ladder matches out of this stuff. They're going to make table lat matches out of this stuff if you had a guy like Brody Lee. Now you're going to have straight up one-on-one face-versus-face matches. 
It's go- it, it doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't well have to be me. face for face. It, it's an open challenge. Anybody can challenge for the belt. Good. Brody Lee comes down next week, kicks his head off, and wins the title back. I would love it. But no, now now you're just shuffling the title. Like, now you're hurting it. <laughs> you can't just keep, ooh, here you go, here you go, hot potato, hot potato. That's what WWE... 24-7 title. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, okay? I'm not saying this is on the realm of a 24-7 title. I'm just saying that you should have just left it on Lee. It, it, it just shows that Cody Rhodes is like, I want my title back. Nepotism, nepotism, nepotism. <sighs> okay. Moving on. Yes. Swole versus Deeb. In my opinion, good. Good one for Swole. Yay. This is the second match Deeb has had on AEW, and this is her second loss on AEW. Mm-hmm. Put somebody else in this position, aside from Serena Deeb, put Serena Deeb in a few matches to get her wins because this is not looking good for Deeb because she lost to Thunder Rosa. Well, th- you're not going to have the NWA Women's Championship w- Women's Champion lose going into their match against Sheeta. Yep. And then have her go up against Big Swole, who is most likely the number one contender, if not the number one contender for the AW title, women's title. You're... You have, I'm not saying you're you, squashing Deeb. You, you have to have jobbers. At the end of the day, Deeb's going to get some wins. But her position... I don't think Deeb's a jobber, but though. The, but her position in AEW right now, she's a jobber. Okay? It's just what it is, man. It's just what it is. It's unfortunate, but it's what it is. It's, a, it's essentially what Ricochet or Apollo Crews have become on Monday Night Raw. Okay. I wouldn't call them jobbers per se. They're mid card talent. They're mid card talent, but they're losing. Okay, they're a losing wrestler. That doesn't make them a jobber. When Ricochet gets a jobber's entrance a couple of weeks ago, that makes him a jobber. Okay, well, Hurt Business gets jobber entrances sometimes too. I understand, but they're coming out on top, and that jobber entrance is to build to a different segment, which ended up being Retribution coming back. So, I have nothing against Deep, but you also have to understand where her position on the card is right now. They're not going to put Deep over Swole. I'm not and saying. Need, I'm not saying put Swole, her over Swole. Swole getting wins is more important than Deep getting wins. You need Swole to squash and beat people to solidify herself as the number one contender. I know this. So who she? So if she doesn't beat Deep, who's she supposed to beat? Um, Britt Baker again? No, who's the one that's been walking around with Baker? It doesn't. Rena. Okay, Rena. So now you're gonna make you're gonna make Rena. Yes. Okay, but you can do the same thing to Deeb right now because you, because Rena is not the name that everybody knows. People recognize Serena Deeb. Okay, but you but you're getting her on TV, are you not? Even if she's losing, is she on TV? Yes, but is she's she not putting, looking good in a loss. Okay, but she's putting on matches, right? So let her put on matches on dark, getting wins, and then come on to. Main so, and get so, wins. For, so in our YouTube segment, they're going to fit a Serena Deep match that she's going to need 7 to 12 minutes to do something. Yeah. Because okay, so, who only... gonna, so who are you going to cut off a of dock? Who else do they have on dark? I mean, they've been putting everybody on dock, man. It's, <laughs> TH2 is going on there. They're having 15-minute bond burners. Oh, you got to get... This is the oh, thing. Oh, oh, this break. is the thing. We had NXT on, on um, the, the network... network. It was an hour long. There yeah. were three matches. Okay. Not everybody has to be on every week. I understand, but clearly they're trying to push certain people. That's why they have Dark the way they have it set up. Before we continue to argue, 
let us move on to the main event segment: Jericho and Hager versus Doctor Luther and Serp- uh, Serpentico. I'm assuming they're parts of the Dark Order, or no, the the Chaos Project. Um, not seen these guys before. Probably been on Dark. Probably. <laughs> um, essentially, Jericho and Hager take this um by storm. Um, this is be- it's because it's Jericho. It's Jericho's 30. Yep. He he has to come out on top in the final match of the show. So, I think the best part was a callback to earlier match. in the night with MJF. Yeah. A callback. Yeah. And this is almost... Did you get Festival of Friendship vibes yes. on this? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. This is kind of where I was thinking. Yeah. Um, Essentially, MJF gifts Jericho... A framed picture of himself and a clown. Yes. Hits the clown with the Judas effect. After putting the picture frame through the clown, um, Jericho gets an MJF's face and says, I hate clowns and never interrupt me or something like that. Then they both laugh. They all share a little bit of the bubbly and then the credits roll and it's Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho. The entire time, my favorite part was Tony Schiavone. On commentary, he says, Chris Jericho was on camera four. And it's it's just a single... I love the commentary on AEW for the sole purpose that they just don't care sometimes. Where they'll just make jokes that have nothing to do with anything that's on the screen. Nothing to do with the wrestling. And it's a complete pop culture reference or anything, but not like the way Morrow did it. Yeah, but the thing is... is- all right, you've got a lot of experience with these guys, okay? Shivoni and JR and Taz and everybody else who does the commentary, okay? Tons of experience. And you got to remember a lot of these guys came from different from a different era where you'd have a guy speaking in your ear, whether it's yeah. Vince McMahon or Vince Russo or Eric Bischoff, right? They don't have that really right now. They don't now. have Tony Khan They don't in have ear. a gorilla position telling them, oh, you got to say this, you got to say that. It's very, it's very... Jerry the King Lawler-esque. Yes. Very Jerry the King Lawler. He was a guy who could go off the cuff at any point in time and make references to pop culture and make things work whenever anything's happening. So, yeah, that's how I feel about that. But I, I do like the commentary. You so, are right. who won this week? AEW or NXT? NXT. NXT won this week. NXT. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into our draft predictions. I mean, we're a little bit late. It's about 8.20 as we're recording this, but we're not watching SmackDown right now. No, I'm getting pictures from everybody. I'm not, me, I'm not looking at anything. I'm not trying I'm not to look. On anything. So, Becky, JJ, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's a yeah. tease. So, we have our top 10 picks. and Now, JJ did come up with a good idea about the draft and why WWE doesn't do something. So, I'll go over this with you right now. Okay. okay. JJ says, why doesn't each show... Why aren't they allowed to reserve five people? Yeah, where it's like they franchise tag. They franchise almost. tag five people, so this way they can't switch shows. So this way it gives you an actual draft feel where it's like, oh, man. So, so these Ra- five so people Ra- are stuck. Ra- Raw saved these five, and SmackDown but saved these five. everybody else is but on the chopping block. Everybody else is on the chopping block. And then it actually gives you this feel of like, okay, they are going after these people from Raw, these people from SmackDown. So yeah. it's a really good idea. We should have actually came up with that before yeah. we came up with our list. Because the way we... So the way we did this is we based it on the 2016 draft where it was a Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw in the first round. And then it was Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw, uh, Raw on the second round. So that's our top 10. So we have six superstars going to Raw, 
for going to SmackDown. Who's your number one pick overall? Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre. Monday Night Raw. Number two. Is Roman Reigns Roman going to Smackdown. Roman Reigns to SmackDown. Number three. AJ Styles going to Raw. I have The Fiend going to Raw. Okay. Number four. Keith Lee going to SmackDown. I have Keith Lee going to SmackDown. That's my trade. Okay. Number five. I have five. two trades. Oscar going to Raw. I have Orton going to Raw. Okay. Number six. Orton going to Raw. Oscar going to Raw. Number okay. seven. Bray Wyatt, The Fiend going to SmackDown. I have Bailey going to SmackDown. Okay. Number eight. Braun Strowman going to Raw. Braun Strowman going to Raw. Number nine. Bailey going to SmackDown. Sasha going to SmackDown. Okay. Number 10. Trade. SmackDown takes the pick and they take Kevin Owens. Okay. And you get the Kevin Owens fiend rivalry on, on SmackDown. SmackDown. Number 10. I have the Hurt Business staying in Raw. They're my they're my next raw pick. Like yeah. I had them down for raw pick, and I was like, "But you have SmackDown trading for a pick for Raw later." Yes. So in the fi- in the third round, technically, would be Raw, 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 SmackDown, Smack- Raw. Exactly. So they'd have three. Straight. They'd have three straight picks to make that makes sense to make that work out. So, so we have very very similar picks, just a couple of flips here yes, and there. Yeah. I, I, the Fiend is not going to Raw. I think Fiend's going he's, back to Raw. He's getting he he has so much going on with Heyman right now. I don't see them changing that. Unless Heyman's going to start getting a little bit more working in Raw, I don't see him changing. And, and the whole, unless we see Roman go to Raw, and the and the whole reason and the whole reason why AJ's going to Raw is because he can't stand Heyman. Okay, that's all right. That's a huge rumor. But I don't have AJ in my top ten. I, I, I have I have Fiend higher, and I have Hurt Business. I have there. AJ going after Drew McIntyre basically as soon as he gets to Raw. Yeah. So you have him like number three. Number three. He's that important. All right. All right. So I think that basically finishes this episode off. Yes, it does. All of you guys, if you did like it, um, definitely comment, questions, concerns, like, share, subscribe. Um, you can hit us up at Double Doink Network on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I posted this week. Whoa. We finally did a post. Yeah, that was you. We got to do more. We will eventually. Um, but you can also hit us up on our personals at Dave the Doink or at DJ Ald. Um, but I think that basically wraps this up. Again, a reminder, we will not be back until Wednesday with our all of the draft breakdown. Yep. Um, but I think that pretty much finishes off. This has been a Double Doink Network production. I have been Josh. I have been Dave. And we've got two words for you. Doinks out. Doinks out. <laughs>